Listen, it is so good to see you here today, and we want to welcome our Whiteville campus to, uh, uh, that's out there this morning. I'm actually the campus pastor up there, and Pastor Clay asked me to fill in this weekend while he's in with Georgia with his family, with Miss Kim and her mom. And so uh, I said, yeah, I'd love to come and preach wherever I get the opportunity. So I'm here today, and we just want to welcome our Whiteville campus, and you better be there. I've got somebody taking names, so I'm going to make sure they're there. And so uh, we want to welcome everybody online who has logged in this morning to watch us in church. You know, I, I, I don't like us to get caught up in routines, I'll be honest with you. And last night, I just felt glad that we need to pray for Pastor Cam and his wife and her mom. And this morning, I kind of felt that. And I'm sitting in the back and I say, but God, I, don't want to, I just don't want to go out there and say, let's do it again. And he said, he was not letting me. He said, no. You pray, because we need to pray for our pastor and his wife as her mom is in hospice today. As they walk through the valley of the shadow of death, man, let God, remember, it's the valley of the shadow, because he's with us right here, right, and his staff, he comes to Would you pray with me this morning as we pray for our pastor and his wife? Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to you today, Lord. You said you would never leave us, nor forsake us. And today, Lord, we just pause and we lift up our pastor, we lift up his wife. Lord, this morning they're in a hospital hospice room down in Georgia. And Father, you know exactly where they are. You know exactly the minutes, the hours, or the days left in this journey. And God, we're just going to trust you with that. We're going we're to put them into your hands. We're asking today that you go and bring comfort to them. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth right now that your Holy Spirit would nudge them, let them know that you're there and that you care and that you love them. I pray you wrap your loving arms around them. Hold them tight in these days, Lord. Let them know that you're there. Give them peace and strength and comfort. We pray today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God's a good God. Amen? Amen. Yeah. If. We're going to talk about if today. And, you know, this word if is, is a small word, but it's so big and it really depends on what you put in front of it and what you put behind it. For instance, if you take the word only and put it behind this word if, it's if only. And let me tell you what if only gets you in life. If only will always bring regrets in your life. Always, when it's if only, if only, if only I would have got here five minutes earlier, I could have had some of that biscuit and gravy out there, right? <laughs> if only I would have got here earlier, I could have got one of the last seat on the front row down here. If only I hadn't ate those six donuts before I went to the doctor. It's always the if onlys that brings regrets. But can we get real for a minute? Because it's the if onlys. If only I had one more chance. If only I would have been the first to say, I'm sorry. If only I could speak one more time. And any time that word only follows behind it, if it always leads to regrets in your life. But let's talk about the word what. If we put what in front of that word if, what if, what if equals possibilities. And I want you to know that this morning. What if always equal possibilities. You know, God began to call on me to, into ministry at the age of 22. I was out riding on my lawnmower, mowing the yard. And I could see myself standing behind a pulpit preaching. And I thought, Lord, I can't do that. You know, 
if only I had the guarantee of a better pay, if only I knew my wife would be taken, if only I knew my kids would be taken, if only I could actually stand up in front of people and speak. And for 10 years, my if onlys were regrets because it wasn't till the age of 32 that I surrendered to the call of ministry in my life. And from that point, it's been God's what if possibilities. It's been amazing. I told them earlier today, uh, for 10 years, we lived over in Tabor City and I pastored a church up there, but we used to ride up and down this road for 10 years. We'd ride up and down through here because our favorite beach area is down in that area. And, and, and every day we'd ride by and I'd say, you know, one day I'd love to preach at that church. What if possibilities, right? Is that God? That's God this morning. What if possibilities? And God's got those in your life and he's got them in my line. If, if we will choose to do the right thing. God's got major possibilities. Matter of fact, there's a story about a guy named Howard Schultz on August 15th, 1987. He had to make a big decision in his life. He had the opportunity to buy a, a small chain of coffee shops and, and it was going to cost him a whole lot. And this was an if moment for him. As a matter of fact, the cost to him was $3.8 million. He had a nice job paying $75,000 a year, safe, secure, everything was looking good. But this what if came into his life. And so he decided to take that step out and, and, and he jumped into his passion, which was coffee, you know, go figure that one. But he jumped into his passion and, and he began to, to work in his passion in this what if possibilities. Five years later, five years later, the stock market, when it went public on June 26, 1992, at the end of the bell, the market capital stood at $273 million for a 3.8 million dollar what if possibilities that's good isn't it that's a no-brainer but i believe this same possibilities and this same philosophy in the marketplace is the same philosophy that you and i need to live by spiritually what if what if god is going to do in your life because this is what i believe about the what ifs and about the if onlys your greatest regrets in life will be the thing, it won't be the things that you did and wished you hadn't. That's not going to be your greatest regrets. See, I love this point right here because I'm just looking across this crowd here and some of you automatically begin to think of things that you've been doing and say, boy, I wish I'd never done that. That's not going to be your greatest. If there was a little sign that popped up above your head here and I could read it, I'd say, yeah, I did that. Got that one. You did what? Man, I would never do that. You did what? There is a God, you know? And so these, this what if and only ifs, only ifs is not going to be your greatest one. The thing that's going to be your greatest regret are going to be the things that you should have done and you didn't do. It's going to be the things that God had put on your heart, the challenges he'd given you, and you stood back and said, if only. But God says, no, what if? We're God, right? Do you know that if God is for you, who can be against you? Yes. If God is for you, who can be against you this morning, church? And that's what we need to understand. I want to talk to you this morning about trading your if-only regrets for God's what-if possibilities this morning. And here's the good news. There is no risk in God's what-if possibility. God will take you further than you can imagine. He will do things more than you can ever conceive. And so if God is for you, who can be against you? 
And so we just need to understand that this morning. You know, the, the thing that we got to do is we got to understand, number one, that God has a plan and a purpose for my life. Do you believe that today? Yes. God's got a plan and a purpose for your life. Not because it's some thought we can believe because it's in his word in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says this, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Not, not Billy Roy, not somebody off the street. There's plans for you. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. God has plans for you today, church, and he's got it specifically for you. And listen to what it is. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and to give you hope. That's what God's plan is for you in your life. And if you came through these doors this morning and your world is in chaos and your life is upside down and you're saying, God, why am I going through all this stuff? I just want to know you got the wrong man. God's plan is to give you hope and to give you a future. But I want you to understand, and you better recognize this morning, in 1 Peter 5, 8, the Bible says to be alert, to be on the watch out, and that your great enemy, the devil, that he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to, dev- to devour. And, and Jesus said in John 10, 10, he said that, that the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. That's what God's plan is for your life today. So if you're in here and you're feeling down and out and you're calling yourself a child of God, you need to change the atmosphere today. You need to change your atmosphere. You need to know that God's got a plan for you. And if God is for you, who can be against you this morning? And you've got to believe that this morning. You've got to believe that. Listen, God has given me and you a God-given potential. And there is nobody that knows this God-given potential better than the one that gave it to us. And listen, our potential that God has given us, our potential is his gift to us And us working it out is our gift back to him. And anything less, anything less is regret. Not regrets. You don't want to live with regrets. These if onlys, God didn't make you for that. But what if the God possibilities is what God wants to put in your life. And so I want to just share a few little uh, God what if possibilities in the Bible this morning. Then we're going to go to Romans chapter 8 because I really want you to log in some facts this morning from God's word that's going to help you change the atmosphere in your life. You may be here today. You may feel overwhelmed. You may have this cloud over your head. You may think, where's God? He's here and he's for you. In the Bible in Second Chronicles, Solomon prays to God and God answers back. And he says this, Second Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name, if my people, God says, if my people, are you God's people this morning? Are you called by the name of God this morning? If my people who are called by my name, God says, if they'll do this, if they will, number one, if they'll humble themselves... And if they pray, and if they seek my face, and if they turn from their wicked ways, he said, I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sins, and I will restore their lands. Isn't that amazing that God's sitting in heaven waiting on you? If, if, but check this out. If my people who are called by my name will not humble themselves, if they will not pray, If they will not seek my face, if they will not turn from their wicked ways, then you're not going to hear from me and you're going to live a life of regrets. But if 
God's people who are called by his name will humble and pray and seek his face and turn from your ways. God's got some incredible what if possibilities in your life. And all you've got to do is trust him and, and to step out and trade those those only if possibilities for the what if today. In the Bible, in the book of Daniel, chapter 3, I love the Old Testament stories. I remember hearing them as a child that my dad used to drop us off at what they called a little Bible club. And, you know, as second and third grader, you don't really think a lot. Um, we would all drop off there and there'd be like 20, 30 kids sitting in, the, in, in this little carport area. And, the, and this old lady that was like 103 years old had this flannel board up there that, and she would teach us the old... Y'all know what I'm talking about. And, and she would be teaching us the Old Testament stories and stuff. And, and honestly, I really like to go because at the end we got a popsicle. But you know what? It's incredible of the things that I recall from that lady who invested in our life as young children, teaching us the story of the Bibles. In Daniel chapter 3, there's a story that most people who've been in church probably have heard the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Vindigo. The old King Nebuchadnezzar built a, a, a nine-foot-wide, 90-foot-tall gold idol out on the desert. And he said, listen, when all this music plays, everybody come and I want you to bow down to it. And, and worship this idol. Well, these three Hebrew kids, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, man, they knew that God was for them and that it didn't matter who was against them. God was for them. He had them. And so they decided, we're not going to do it. Not us. We're not bound down to your idol, O king, because we know that God is goddess. And so some of the officials went in and said, King, I know that these guys that are over some of your affairs, and I know you kind of like them a lot, but they're not bowing down. They're not bowing down. They're just standing like nothing's happening. So he called them before him and, and he said, hey, is this so? Is this so? And he really had favor with them. He said, I'm going to give you one more chance. We're going to play the music and I just need you to bow down because if you don't, you're going to get thrown into the furnace. You know what? They didn't bow down. King Nebuchadnezzar was so mad. He said, fire that furnace up seven times hotter than what it was. And this is what the boys said. Let's check this out. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied in Daniel chapter 3, verse 16, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you if we are thrown into the blazing furnace that God whom we serve, he's able to save us. You may be here today and you feel like you're walking through the fire. Listen to me. God is able to walk with you. He can save you no matter what you're going through today. He is able. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never, ever, ever serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set before us. And you know why? Because they knew the God possibilities. They knew that God was with them. And it didn't matter. Go ahead and finish reading that chapter. And this is how it goes. These young boys were tied up. They were taken to the furnace. The Bible says the guards who threw them into that furnace died because the heat was so much. And old King Nebuchadnezzar looks up and he looks down and he says, Hey, didn't we just throw three guys in there? Because I see four men walking around. And one of them looks like the sons of God. He called them out, come out, Shadrach, Meshach, come out. And the Bible says they came out. No hairs were singed. They didn't smell like smoke. Nothing was there. And, and, and God delivered them. You're talking about some 
God possibilities. What if God possibilities? And that's an incredible story that they came out like that. And the king says, oh, by the way, we're going to worship the king of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're going to worship that Lord. That's who we're going to worship. And, and so, you know, as we look through the Bible, man, there's, there's story after story after story. I love the story of Elijah in, in, in 1 Kings chapter 18. Elijah the prophet who had uh, prophesied that there'd be no rain for over three years. And, and he shows back up on the spot. And King Ahab had been looking for him. The Bible said that he used the, the words that no stone had been unturned in Israel looking for this guy. He just pops back up on the scene. And the Bible says that he shows up. And in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21, he says this to the people. He stood in front of them. And he said this, How much longer will you waver hobbling between two opinions? If, if the Lord is God, then follow him. But if Bell is God, then follow him. And you know what the people said? No, nothing. They were silent as usual. When we get in those if places, when God says, I got you, trust me, I got some God possibilities here for you. And we stand back because, I don't know, Lord. I don't know. We're kind of silent, aren't we? Because, see, we have this thing that on one day, God, I need you and, and, and I just can't make it without you. And then we see, oh, well, maybe this will help me and this will fill me up. We come over here and, and it doesn't work and we just have regrets and we come back over here. We say, God, I, I really need you and I, I, I'm just going to trust you this time and, and, and please help me, you know. And, and we look over here and say, mm, maybe this pill will help me. And it brings us regrets. Maybe this bottle will help me, and it brings us regrets. Maybe this relationship will help me, and it brings us regrets. In everything that you try that is not God, you're going to have regrets in your life. And he asked them, how long are you going to waver between two opinions? If God is God, then serve him. Listen to me, church. God is for you, so who can be against you? If he's God, serve him and stop wavering. Stop wavering. He's God. See, it's a pivotal point in our spiritual lives that we must trust God and we got to trade our what if, our, our if onlys for God's what if possibilities in our life. And I know some of you are probably sitting here and there's skeptics, they're everywhere. And you're saying, well, pastor, how do you know that? How do you know? Because I'm going to show you some scriptures in Romans chapter 8. And I want you to write down a few points in here. And I want you to take them with you as we begin to walk in there. Right in the middle of the book of Romans out of the 16th chapter is chapter 8. It's called the Great Eight. Martin Luther said that it's the clearest gospel of all times. William Tyndale, who gave his life for translating the Bible into English, called it the most excellent part of the New Testament. Paul is writing to the church at Rome, a place that he had never been. It was a church that had Gentiles, that had some Jews mixed in there. And Paul just knew that they needed to, to know about the salvation of Jesus Christ. He needed, they needed to know about the, the Holy Spirit that can come and, and dwell within them. So he's writing a letter to a people that he'd never met. He didn't know what kind of problems they were dealing with. And of course, they were kind of doing the same little nitpicky stuff that most churches do, right? Yeah, well, we're Jews and uh, we go by the law. Gentiles, well, I don't know that. Yeah, well, we're circumcised and you're not. Yeah, well, I don't know. Yeah, well, we follow these holy days and y'all don't. It's just back and forth. And Paul says, hey, 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 hey. Care what it is. It's Jesus or it's nothing. 
It's Jesus or it's nothing. So he begins to write this letter to him. And so in Romans chapter 8 verse 1, you know, there's that battle that's within us. And, and actually in Romans, the verse from chapter 1 up through chapter 11, Paul is laying out this case because we know in chapter 12 he comes back in the very first verse in chapter 12 is where he comes in and he says, I beseech thee, dear brethren. In other words, I beg you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy and what God did for you through his son, Jesus Christ on the cross, I am, I am begging you, I am asking you to offer yourself, your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, so that you will know his good and perfect will, because God's got a plan for you. And so Paul's talking about the struggle that we have. There's good and there's bad, and you and I know what I'm talking about, right? There's good and there's bad. I want to, I want, Paul says the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I should do, you know, I'm not doing that either. And so I probably said that backwards. But Paul said the things that I should do, I don't do. And the things I shouldn't do, I do. Because there's a struggle. As a matter of fact, he said these words. He said, what a wretched man am I. Who will save me from this? And in verse number 24, it says, that thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So in verse number 1 of chapter 8 of Romans, I want you to catch this, okay? I want you to catch this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Write this phrase down. I am no longer condemned. If you are a blood-bought, born-again believer, you have had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, you no longer are condemned. God is for you, and He is not against you. And you need to believe that today, because this is what it says over in verse 11. The same power... That God raised Jesus from the dead. Son, get up from that grave. The same power that God raised Jesus from the dead was put into you and was put into me. That we can win this battle. We don't have to walk around in defeat. We can walk in victory through the power of Jesus Christ that is in us. Because we no longer are condemned. We have power through the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. And we need to stop walking around with a wet diaper on and change our huggies. It's time to change the atmosphere. Amen? It's time to change. Jesus died for you. The power that raised him from the dead, God has said into me and he said into you. And we need to accept that power. Kill the flesh. Die to those things. Be that living sacrifice so that you can walk in victory, in peace. I'm not promising you that this is a cakewalk out here. I'm not doing a name it and claim it job either this morning. I'm telling you, life is hard. Jesus said in this world there will be troubles, but take heart for I have overcome the world. And we need to stand on that. And as we walk through this broken, sinful world, you and I need to understand there is a power from above that is within us that will help us take every step of the way because God is for you and who can be against you in that. Verse 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Number one, you no longer are condemned. Number two is that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. I want you to know this morning, this old boy loves God. 
I love him with all my heart. I'll shout it to my last breath. You can put me on the back of the truck and ride me up and down the boulevard, and I'll tell him I love God. And I believe that, that God has everything working out to his good. I don't understand it. I don't have all the answers to your questions because you probably got a million one questions. Well, if God loves me, why is this? Remember, it's to his purpose. See, we seem to look like this, don't we? And God's view is like this. And we have to understand that everything that God does, it's for his plan and his purpose for our good, okay? It's for our good. And that's a hard pill to swallow sometimes. I mean, for me, okay? I don't understand everything. When I was 21 years old, my mother died of a massive heart attack at the age of 53. I got a daughter who never met my mother, and she was one of the most godliest ladies that I know. She's my mama, and I know yours is too. And it hurts my heart. I got three grandkids now. Just had one last week, man. And find me after church, and I'll show you. I might have a picture too. But just, you know, check it out. And I don't have the answers to that. Why? I'm telling you, man, I have shed some tears over this. Lord, why couldn't my kids know this lady who invested into me? Why can't my grandkids ever know this lady? I don't understand that. It hurts my heart. But I believe this with all my heart this morning. God's got a plan and God's got a purpose for those who love him. All things are going to work out in his plan, in his purpose. And there's coming a day, man. (laughs) There is coming a day that we're going to meet again. I'm not worried about that. There's coming a day. Because we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. God has a purpose for my life and God has a purpose for your life this morning, church. Verse 37, Romans chapter 8. I'm going to keep going. You are not condemned. God's got a purpose. Everything that he does is, is for the good for you. And you've got to believe that for those who love him. You've got to believe that this morning. Verse 37 is in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us in all things. God says you're a conqueror. You are a conqueror. You are victorious and you are more than victorious over over things in your life. Because listen to me this morning. There is no addiction too strong that God's power can't deliver. Because you are more than a conqueror. There is no addiction too strong that God's power can't, can't overcome. Listen, there is no failure so final that God's grace can't forgive because we are more than conquerors. There is no wound so deep that God's love can't heal. And that's a big one right there, isn't it? Because through my 21 years of ministry, man, I've met families who don't even speak to each other. Sons who didn't even go to their own mother's funeral because of these hard things. And I'm telling you today, child of God, there is no No hurt, no wound so deep that God's love can't heal. And there's no, no matter how bad it is, his grace is sufficient. And no matter how good it is, the best is yet to come. That's good news this morning. The best is yet 
to come. Listen, this word conqueror in the Greek is pronounced hooper nikio. And it means this, hyper conqueror. It means over conquer. It means conquer with success to fair. And when Paul was writing this, he knew that, that Rome was a place where there was a lot of games, a lot of athletes there. And just like when Jesus spoke to farmers, he talked about planting seeds. When he talked to fishermen, he talked about fishing. And Paul's speaking here to these people in Rome. And he's using this word conquer because it was it was more than enough do you understand this morning that god is more than enough for you he's not going to get you to the edge and said all right handle it no 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 you are more than a conqueror in jesus christ this morning if you know jesus as your lord and savior he's you are over the edge you're more than success you're more than what you need because that's the god we serve you and if god is for you who can be against you you need to know that this morning if god is for you who can be against you? You are a conqueror in Jesus Christ this morning. You are no longer condemned. And everything that happens in your life, you need to go ahead and take it to heart that God's got a plan and he's got a purpose for those who love him. I love you, Jesus. I love you today. And you need to understand that this morning, church, because that's the what if possibilities that God has for you. It's when you put your trust in him, when you believe in him. You know, they call faith something that we don't see. And that's why we walk by faith and not by sight. You need to stop believing. If I can see it, then I'll do it. That's not faith. There's nothing in that. Faith is when I can't see it, but I'm going to walk anyway because I believe God's going to take me where I need to go. He's going to supply my needs. And you know why I can believe that? Because he's for me. And if he's for me, who? Who can be against me? Who can be against me if I've got God on my side? We're going to move on into a couple more verses here. Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. And this is good. You need to hear this. For I am convinced that neither death or life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen to me, church. If God is for you, who can be against you? So I don't know where you are. It's a good chance that you walked in here today and you've just been under this brass cloud and you just can't seem to get through. Listen, greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. You keep praying. You keep looking. You keep seeking. You keep walking. You trust him by faith because God is for you. He's not against you. You may be here today and, and you've always thought of God of, I don't know what you thought of him. But let me tell you, he loved you so much sent his one and only son Jesus Christ to die on a cross for you because he wanted to have a relationship with Billy he wanted to have a relationship with you so he sent this son to the earth to die on that cross that his blood would be shed that we could be redeemed we could be justified to have a relationship with the holy God and if you're here today and you don't know him your biggest what if for your possibilities is to have that relationship with Jesus Christ today. You would say something like this, Dear God, man, I've missed the mark. I've dropped the ball. I've sinned. 
And I confess that today, Lord. I confess that. And I believe that you're for me. Lord, today I'm going to believe that you're for me. You're not against me. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to the cross. I believe he died for my sins. I believe three days later he arose from the tomb. Lord, I believe one day he's coming back. God, I want, to, I want to live out my life for the rest of my life with, with the God possibilities, the what-if God possibilities. Lord, I don't want to spend the rest of my life if only. Listen, man, that will be the saddest day of your life to leave this earth and not know Jesus Christ. And to hear those words, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you. All the if-onlys in the world will never change those regrets. So today, if you don't know Jesus, pray that prayer. God's for you. He's not against you. No matter where you're at today, you need to understand God loves you. I want you to stand with me. I'm going to give you three more verses. I'm going to give you some verses of of what uh, Isaiah said. I want to give you some verses of what John said. And I want to give you another verse of what Paul says. So I want you to listen to me this morning. If God is for you, who can be against you? Isaiah said that no weapon formed against me will prosper. John said that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Paul says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If God is for you, who's